Thank you so much for tuning in to Encounter AZ's podcast. We are believing that God is going to use this ministry to change your life. Now enjoy the message. But hey, I want to uh, share our special guest. Um, I want to tell you a little bit about him before he comes up this morning. And and, uh, his name is Pastor Joe, and he's here from California. Can we give him a hand before he comes up real quick? And Pastor Joe is... A friend of ours have probably known each other like, man, I'm going to sound old when I say it. Like six months? No, I'm just kidding. Like <laughs> 10 years or something? Has it been? No, let's just say seven. Seven years. Let's go with that. But there's some, there's some people that when, you, when they connect, you get a connection in your life, it makes you better. Do you have any of those people in your life? And we're blessed here with the team we have in the leadership that I feel like our leadership makes my ministry better, and when we glean off each other, and we make each other better, and, and when Joe came, he, we were doing youth ministry, and he came alongside us, and he also did young adults ministry with a church where we were at, and man, during that season, I learned so much, and I just value uh, he and his wife Aaron's friendship and in our lives, because I got to tell you, they've seen, probably they've seen me at my best, and they've also seen me at my worst, but you know what, I, that's why I value that friendship so much, because it's been through fire, and I love this couple, and what they mean to our lives. And I'm telling you what, he's a great preacher and you're going to enjoy him. So Pastor Joe, would you come up this morning and share God's word with us? We give him one more hand as he comes up. First, I'm so thankful, so thankful for this opportunity. And, and um, can you guys give it up for Brent and Jen Christensen who are amazing That was good, but I, I think I don't under, think I don't think you understand. Um, he said some great things about me, but can I tell you, um, Brent and Jen are the type of people that stay with you, no matter how bad of a person you are, no matter how good of a person you are. And he mentioned some things before, but man, Brent has been such a great friend through really bad times of stupid decisions that I've made, through great times. And I'm so thankful for the relationship. So can you give it up one more time for your pastors, Jen and Brent? They're so awesome, so amazing. I'm so thankful for them. And um, and God, uh, I believe that he has some amazing things for this church. And and when uh, Brent was talking to me about coming down here, there were so many messages that were coming through my heart and my mind. And I feel like God has kind of really put this message in my heart today. So um, it's summarized with these, uh, these statements. It's God can do it through me right here, right now. God can do it. Through me, right here, right now. And, and the first thing, when I started thinking about this message, I was, I was trying to think through um, different times. Have you ever had a moment where you planned something to go a certain way? Maybe it was a kid's birthday party or maybe it was a celebration of some sort. You planned it to go a certain way and it just didn't come out the way you thought it would. Have you ever done a DIY, a DIY project? And you plan it to go come out a certain way. You had something envisioned in your head of the way it would come out. You were going to build this extra room on your house. Or you are going to build something that was going to take place. There was going to be a new shelf that was going to go up in your house. And it just didn't come out the way you decided. Apparently, you guys don't have wives like mine who love Pinterest and want to do everything that they see on Pinterest. And then they expect me to build it. And then I get a chance to build it. And I'm trying to put it together. And I'm trying to, I'm like, putting up all my expertise that I can find. I'm like YouTubing everything, trying to find the right people to, to 
to uh, copy off of. And their pictures are always so great. Like they cheat. I know they cheat. They have special cameras that make things look better than they actually do. Because when I put it together exactly the way they tell me to, it just doesn't come out the way they said it. Like, I have these great visions, I have these great things, the way it's going to look in my head, and then finally I end up putting it together, and for whatever reason, it just doesn't come out the way I thought. Have you ever attempted to do something that it just didn't come out the way you thought? Well, I heard about a story of a teacher who, um, she was teaching her kindergarten class, and she was trying to prove to them that no one was dumb. So she asked the class, "Um, is there anybody dumb in this room? Please stand to your feet. She looks around and no one's standing to their feet. And then finally little Johnny, after about five minutes of waiting, he finally stands to his feet. All of a sudden she doesn't know what to do. She's confused because she she planned to have this great lesson of how she was going to prove that no one was dumb. But now there's little Johnny who's standing to his feet and and she's like, little Johnny, do you really believe that you're dumb? He says, no, I don't believe that I'm dumb. And she says, then why are you standing? She said, he, um, he turns to her and says, because I didn't want you standing there all by yourself. Like, there was a great moment, a great time where she was she going to teach something really powerful, super meaningful. And then all of a sudden, it was just messed up. It was just a moment that just seemed like it was going to go a certain way. And it just didn't turn out the way they expected. Well, that's kind of like this story in Scripture and this story about a guy named Moses. See, Moses is going to take on this great opportunity where he's going to go speak for God to Pharaoh to let my people go. He's going to have this great moment in history where he's going to tell him and challenge Pharaoh to say, I want my people to go. And all of a sudden, this, this thing that he imagined in his head, the way he thought it would go, didn't turn out the way he thought. He would go to Pharaoh and say, let my people go. And Pharaoh would say no. And they would walk away from that. And there was different situations and circumstances that took place and happened. And finally, finally, after begging, after pleading, after telling him, this is what God has for him. All of a sudden, there's this moment where finally Pharaoh gets fed up with him asking these questions. Finally gets fed up with going through all this turmoil. And finally he says, fine, leave. And that's where we find ourselves in scriptures in Exodus chapter 14. Verses 5 through 14. Exodus chapter 14. Verses 5 through 14. It says this. When the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled, Pharaoh and his officials changed their minds about them and said, What have we done? We let the Israelites go and have lost their services. So he had his chariots made ready and took his army with him. He took 600 of his best chariots along with the other chariots of Egypt with officers over all of them. The Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, so that he would pursue the Israelites who were marching out boldly. The Egyptians, and all, um, the Egyptians, all Pharaoh's horses and chariots, horsemen and troops, pursued the Israelites and overtook them as they camped by the sea near Pi-Hiroth, opposite of Baal. As Pharaoh approached the Israelites, looked up, and there was the Israelites, Um, Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified and cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us out to the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Did we not, uh, didn't we say for you in Egypt to leave us alone? Let us serve the Egyptians. It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. Moses answered the people, do not be afraid. Stand firm. You will see the deliverance of the Lord will bring to you today. The Egyptians you see today, you'll never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You only 
need to be still. This is a great moment in history where Moses is about to, he's about to deliver the people of Egypt. And all of a sudden, as he's about to deliver the people of Egypt, he, he ends up at this body, huge body of water that now he's looking in front of him and says, how can I get over this? How can I get through this? There's no way I can. And now I'm looking back, and he's looking back, and he sees the people, uh, um, the, the Egyptians now running after him and chasing after him, but not just any people, but just the best of their chariots. Now he's looking behind him. He's seeing all these people coming after him, and he's looking in front of him and sees something completely impossible. And he has this moment where now the people who he's been leading out challenge him and said, well, couldn't you have just let us die? Like, we could have died there, and we would have been happy. Have you ever been trying to help out a kid? And you're trying to help them do what's right. You're trying to help them, and you're doing your best to try to help them. And all of a sudden, like, they're, they're just like, ungratefulness that happens in this moment where you're trying to let's you're trying to go on a family vacation you're going to a family vacation and all the pictures of the family vacation look great you were going to this great hotel by disney and all of a sudden you end up there and it doesn't look like the police on the pictures and now your kids are complaining and crying and saying well you said that you were going to do this moses is having this same experience where he's now going out and he's trying to deliver the people of egypt but are the, the he's trying to deliver the israelites and now the people of egypt are chasing after him so what does he do? Well, he first has to get to this moment where he realizes the first thing I said earlier. God can do it. See, he has to get to a point where he realizes, I believe that God has the power to do it. So what does he do? He looks back over the course of his life and starts thinking back to what all God has done. He can look back to this moment where God met him at this burning bush that was burning, but it was not eating itself up. It was burning, but it was not actually consuming itself. And there was this moment where God speaks through this burning bush, and he can remember that moment and say, wow, if God can do that, then he can surely deliver me from the situations I'm facing today. He has to look back to moments when all of a sudden he's in the, he's in the desert and he's saying, God, how can you do this through me? And God challenges him to throw down his staff and his staff turns into a snake and all of a sudden he begins to see the miracles of God take place in his life. But over time, it's so easy for us to forget what God has done. Like We have this symptoms in Christianity. It's like Christian amnesia. Where God can do a lot of great things in our life, but over time we forget all the things he's done. And if we don't, if we get all the things that he's done, we'll forget what he's able to do. And we need to have moments where we can look back over the course of our life and look back over our life and say, if God got me through that situation, if God was able to get me through that circumstance, then he can get me through what I'm facing today. So he has this moment where he says, if God can get me through that, he definitely can get me through this. I believe as people, we need to get to moments in our life where we look back over the course of our life and we look back over all the things that God has done and we can appreciate all the things he's done and look forward in our life to say, if God can, has done that, he can do this. That God who did what he did then is the same God who can get me out of what I'm in today. See, we have to have enough faith. Moses is also, according to scripture, he's also, he's also someone, or according to theologians, he's also someone who wrote Genesis. He's the person who penned the idea that God created the world in seven days. He led through the Holy Spirit, ends up writing these down, these ideas down of what God has done. 
So he's the guy who was credited for the idea of writing the, this down, inspired by the Holy Spirit, to write the words that God said in the beginning, let there be, and there was. So not only does God have power, but God has power that when he speaks, things happen. That at the moment that he says something, all of a sudden it has to become. In fact, if God were to look down at this world today and said the sky is red, it's not that it would, he, he could not lie to the point that all of a sudden the moment he says it, it happens. Because God is so good, he is so truthful, that the moment he says something, things begin to supernaturally take place that it has to happen. Amen. Which should let you know something good in your life. Which should encourage you to something really great in your life. That if God has spoken something in your life, if he has spoken something over your life, if he has challenged you with something, that the moment that he said it, he has set things into motion that it's going to happen. It's not that it might happen. It's not that it could happen. No, it has to happen. Because when he says it, things happen and it takes place. Moses knows this, so he trusts God that, God, if you said it, I believe you can do it. And we need to have the same mentality that says, if God can do it, then it's going to happen. So the first thing we have to understand is God can do it. The second thing is through me. So I need you to help me out really quick because I'm the type of preacher that needs you to preach to me too. So I need you to turn to your neighbor and say, God can do it through me right here, right now. Okay, turn to your other neighbor, the separate neighbor of second choice, the person that you did not choose today, and say, God can do it through me, right here, right now. Now, I need you guys to help me out. So as soon as I say, God can do it, I need you to finish the sentence, God can do it. Oh, you're getting there, you're getting there, you're getting there. Two of you, so good, so great. God can do it right now. God can do it through me right here, right now. See, I believe that God can do it. I believe he can do it through you right here, right now. And the first thing you have to realize is he can do it. He has the ability. He has the capacity. He has the power that he has within his hand, the ability to make things happen. That I believe that sometimes the only thing that prevents us from seeing God's miracles is ourself. We're so good at blaming the devil for everything. Like, it's the devil that made me do it. The devil did this. The devil did that. But I believe the greatest, greatest enemy to your calling is your comfort. See, if I get so comfortable, then I don't want to leave where I'm at. And you can't stay where you're at and continue to chase after what God is calling you to do. And so the, the difficulty is, is we get so comfortable with where we're at that we're not challenged to see that God has a great calling for our life. That we must leave here in order to go where God wants us to go. See, there was a story of a man who was, uh, who was locked up in jail. And when he was locked up in jail, um, the, the, I'm sorry, prison, he was locked up in prison. And all of a sudden, people would pass by his prison cell. And he would never decorate anything. Never decorate his jail. He was never decorate his cell, never decorate his cell. And finally, someone said, uh, a prison guard came by and said, uh-uh, everyone else here, they decorate their jail cell. Why do you keep it the same way? Why don't you decorate? And he said, because I know I'm not staying here. See, we have to have the type of mentality that says, I am not staying where I'm at. I may not like where I'm at right now. I may love where I'm at right now. But regardless of where I'm at right now, I'm not staying here because God is going to continue to do great things in my life. And if God has said it, he'll do it. Amen. So the first thing we have to get away is that God 
can do it. And the second thing we have to do is realize is God can do it through me right here, right now. God can do it through me. So that same story in Exodus 14, verse 15 and 16, it says, Then, then the Lord said to Moses, Why are you crying out to me? Tell the, tell the Israelites to move on. Raise your staff. Stretch out your hand over the sea to divide the water so that the Israelites can go through the sea on dry ground. So he says, has this moment where he's crying out to God and saying, God, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know what to do. And all of a sudden, God looks at Moses and says, I've already put it in your possession. The very thing that's going to unlock your next journey, the very thing that's going to unlock the next door in your life is already in your hands. See, I believe that God is so good, he's so omniscient, he's so amazing that he already sets us up for the very things that we need along the journey. That he has put something inside of you, it's a gift, it's a talent, it's something, ability that he has given you, the ability to communicate, the ability to smile. Whatever ability he has given you, he has given you for the journey that's ahead. And I believe he is so good, he is so smart, he is so, he is so thought-provoking in the sense that he can put something inside of you before you even need it. You didn't even think you needed it. It looked like just a stick, but the soon as you get to the Red Sea, all of a sudden, that stick, that staff, the thing that you thought could not be used by anything or for anything, all of a sudden, it's the very thing that God uses. See, you might look at your life right now and say all the circumstances and situations in your life, you're saying, God, why did you give me this? I didn't want this. I didn't want to live through this. I don't want to have to go through this. But what you didn't know, it was the very thing and the very path that God needs you to go through to get to the calling that God would have for you. See, I look back over the course of my life and say, I never wanted to live in poverty. I never wanted to have a dad who was abusive to my mother and not go through the things that I had to go through. I didn't want to have a dad who was addicted to drugs and go through all the situations I go through. But now I can look back over the course of my life and say, if it had not been for those moments, for those situations, for that circumstance, if I had not been for the poverty that I had to live through as a younger child, I would not know how to, go, how to grow up and use the money that God has given me and the resources that God has given me. If I did not have to go through the fact that my dad was an abusive father, I would not look back at my life and say, you know what, I want to treat my wife so much differently because I'm not going to go through and put my kids through what I had to go through. I can look back over the course of my life and say, you know what, I didn't want it, but I needed it, and it made me who I am today. So although it didn't feel good, taste good, I'm so thankful that I had to go through it because if I didn't have to go through it, I wouldn't become who I am today. See, we need to look with a different perspective in our life to see that the situations and circumstances we've been through are just tools and things that God is using. We didn't put us through it. I don't believe that he is the one who is forcing us through it, but I believe he'll allow us to go through it because he is such a good God that he can see our situations, see our circumstances, see the bad in our life, and he is such a good God that he can make good out of bad situations. But the very thing that you thought was breaking you, was tearing you apart, was the very thing that what you didn't realize was just like a puzzle piece. If you look at each puzzle, it looks broken, it looks messed up, it's fragmented, it doesn't look good by itself, it looks like a broken piece. But when you realize that it's those broken pieces that allow it to be connected to a whole picture, that all of a sudden you realize that it was the brokenness that was made perfect to create the beauty that God would create. All of a sudden, if you can look back to the over the course of your life, you will see that even the brokenness was beautiful. That God can do it through you. What? But do you know me? You don't even know me, preacher. I'm so messed up. I woke up in the morning, stubbed my toe, and said something I would not repeat in church. 
You don't know me, preacher. You don't know the things that I've said, the things that I've done. You don't know the things that I've done over the course of my life. No, I don't. But I believe that in Scripture, he has proven me over and over again that he uses the improbable to do the impossible. See, if you look back over the course of the Scriptures, you can see this is why it's so important. This is why it's so important to take the steps necessary to grow here. There's deeper classes that, that, that's provided here so that you can grow and develop in this faith that you have so that you can grow deeper. If you have not yet signed up, I just challenge you that you would sign up to be a part of that growth, to develop here. That's why it's so important to be a part of community groups and the small groups that are meeting here. Why? Because it's in those development that you realize you'll see that the Bible is not just a history lesson to see what God has done. No, it's a telling of not what he just has done, but what he wants to do through your life. See, if you look at the scriptures, scriptures prove to us that even David, 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 the one who was messed up, the one who was tore up from the floor up, the one who was beat down from the neck down, the one who does so many things to the point where he sleeps with someone else's wife, sends him to fight in a, in a war, and then God looks down upon him and says, he is a man after my own heart. How? Because God can use the brokenness of our life to create beauty so much so that it helps someone else say, if they made it, maybe so can I. So no matter what situation you find yourself in, no matter where you find yourself in your journey, can I let you know that God can use you. And if there's any place in the world that's great for you, it's this place. That God wants to use you, and there's going to be so many people that are going to come to this church that are going to be so broken, that are going to be so messed up, that are going to be so dysfunctional, but that's going to be perfect because God is creating a masterpiece that every, every brokenness, he's creating a beauty called the church, and the church is going to change this world that we live in, that Mesa is going to look different. Why? Because Encounter AZ came to this place, and there's a spirit of God that's living here that's going to radically change where we are at. Why? Because a couple of people who said... It's improbable for God to use me and do anything with my life. But God says, I love to use the improbable to do the impossible. I love to see where people are at who are so broken, who are so messed up that says, I can use the imperfect to use them in my perfect will. That God is so good that he is not consulting your past to determine your future. He is not ter- determining what you have done to see what you can do, that God is seeing that he can do it through you. Yes, through you. If God can use a shepherd boy to defeat a giant, he can use a Christian murderer like Paul to write two-thirds of the New Testament. And I think he can surely use you to do something amazing in this world. But you're going to have to believe this. God can do it through me right here. And right now. So the third part of the step, the third step that we have to understand is this. Is that he can do it right here. See, in this moment, that God can do it through you. And he can do it right here. Could you imagine what it must have felt like to be Moses? He's looking back. And his past is creeping up on him. The thing he thought he left behind. The thing he thought he walked away from is now coming back into his life. And now he's looking forward. And the very thing in front of him now seemed impossible. Based upon his geographical location, it looks completely impossible. 
There's so many stats, statistics, and things that could prove there is nothing he can do. He cannot outrun a chariot. He doesn't have the capacity to do so. There's no way he can do something within his current circumstances, situation. There's no way. Not right here. You can't do something great inside of an area that's so impoverished and so hurtful that's going through so much. There's no way. There's no possible way. I promise you, before Brent came here, I guarantee you, he heard every whisper from the enemy that said, there's no way. With every fact that was built up against the idea that a church can be planted here and can be so great that it can make a movement that would change all of Arizona. I can, I can bet you that through your life, you've heard the whisper of the enemy over and over again that's told you you're no good, you're nobody, there's never going to be anything. You can never do anything for God because of all the mistakes you made, because everything you've done wrong. There's no way. You've done too much. There's been too far. God can never do anything with someone like you. And yet he looks at his circumstance. He looks at his situation right here. And he has to make a decision. Could you imagine what it would have felt like going through Moses where he says, if I lift up my rod in front of this water, body of water and nothing moves, I'm going to look foolish. What if I step out in faith? What if I do it and now... I look ridiculous because I'm standing here holding a rod up in the air and nothing is moving, nothing is happening. And now the Pharaoh's army is behind me There's, and now I'm going to die. Because even as I preach a message of faith, the enemy preaches another message while I'm preaching. It's a message of what if. What if you dream about building that business again and it fails? What if you dream about doing the thing that God has put inside of your heart that's so ridiculous and so crazy that if you even speak it, people laugh? What if? What if God is calling me as broken as I am, as messed up as I am, as dysfunctional as I am, as how the mistakes that I have, the things that I've done, if, how could God use me? Right here. And in a moment, he gets beyond the what if. He gets beyond every question that plagues his heart, the whispers of the enemy, and says, despite the whispers I keep on hearing, I'm going to trust that his word is greater than the enemy's whispers. And in a moment, he begins to stretch out his arms. And all of a sudden, what begins to take place is they begin to walk on dry ground. See, this is amazing because it's not just that he walked around and they walked through the mud. Because if you wipe water away from dirt, it becomes mud. But God was so good that he said, I don't want any scientific idea or proof that this happened by anything other than myself. It's not nature that did it. It wasn't a drought season that took place. It wasn't a dam that was built that all of a sudden released the water and didn't allow it to flow anymore. No, the only thing that could have done it was me. So I want to create it that all the water would be completely sucked out. That all of a sudden when they're walking around, they're walking on dry ground. And they realize... 
If it had not been for God, it wouldn't be possible. See, God can do it through you right here, right now. Have you ever had a moment where your right now didn't look good? See, it's easy to have faith when it's somebody else. When it's somebody else's marriage, it's easy to have faith. When it's somebody else's diagnosis, it's easy to have faith. When it's somebody else's kids, it's easy to have faith. But can I have the faith that's not just about the geographical location, but now it's in my now. Where you don't have Pastor Brent to encourage you through a powerful word where he would bring in to preach. All of a sudden you walk out of the church and you're so encouraged. But it's that type of faith where it hits you right now. And you're wondering, how can you get me out of this, Scott? Last year, around this time, that was exactly what happened to me. My wife was about to have what would have been our third child. Two years prior to that moment, we had a baby who was seven and a half months in her womb who didn't make it. And now I'm away and I'm preaching at a church and all of a sudden my wife is about eight months pregnant and she's texting me saying, I'm going to have the baby today. Before she could even get out of the house, all of a sudden the baby begins to come out. They had to call 911. And as the baby is delivered, the paramedics rush in and they realize that the baby's not breathing. They're in Florida while I am in, in St. Louis, Missouri. And I'm getting text messages from family and friends saying, not only did your baby die on the way to the hospital, but also your wife, she's lost so much blood that they don't know if she's going to make it. Not only that, but if she doesn't make it, she's going to have to be put on dialysis. So what do you do when it's a right now moment and you just don't know what to do in that situation? I finally fly in and I drive to the hospital. I meet my wife there and, and I just begin to hug her. and We just begin to pray. We begin to listen to worship music. And, and they were able to resuscitate the baby. But we go into there and we find out that the doctor says there's two options for your son. He's either going to be brain dead or dead. God, I'm preaching for you. I'm doing what I think I should be doing in this season. Why is this happening? 
I'm in a moment where I'm looking in front of me and it looks impossible because the doctor just said he's going to be dead or brain dead. I look behind me and I remember the past of what happened two years prior to that moment when we lost our son. And we're saying, again? And I remember we walked back into the hospital room where my wife was staying. And all we could do was we turned on worship music and we said, God, it's in your hands. We began to go and know the NICU really well to the point where all of a sudden we knew there were certain doctors on staff that would just tell you bad news. So we did our best to avoid them. <laughs> Try to find ourselves with some doctors that would tell us some hope, little pieces of hope. After two months of going back and forth to the NICU, he said, doesn't look like your baby's going to make it out. We go in there and the, the doctor, the bad news doctor, we begin to call her. She says, we, they, a, doc, a nurse says, do you want to hear from the doctor? We looked who was on staff. And we're like, um, no, not today. We're okay. We're fine. And the doctor ends up coming by anyways. And they said, as you can see, there's been no movement. No changes. Your baby hasn't done anything. In fact, look, when we pinch his feet, he doesn't even move. And she pinched his toe. And all of a sudden, he began to retract his foot. She looks back with amazement and says, um, it could be just a reaction. It just could be just a response from the spinal cord that all of a sudden the nervous system is reacting to me pinching him. It may not be anything. And pinches his other foot and begins to retract his other foot. All of a sudden he begins to push on his stomach and he begins to squirm. And she looks back amazed and says, I don't know what to tell you. Well, in a course of a couple months, all of a sudden the baby that didn't move anything began to move his toes. And from his toes, he began to move his feet. From his feet, he began to move his legs. From his legs, he began to move his fingers. From his fingers, he began to move his hands. He began to move his arms. He opened his eyes. And three months later, we took him out of the hospital and just celebrated his one-year birthday. Why? Because God can do it. He can do it through me right here, right now. That God is the God of the impossible. And the God that did it then can do it now. And he can do it through you I don't know where you find yourself today I don't know what situation you find yourself in that seems like it can never get through but I know this that no matter how bad your situation seems my God is still the God of miracles. Please stand to your feet. I know my story may be different than your story. But I serve the God of the history. And no matter what situation you can find yourself in, what I've realized is this. is when you begin to study scripture, you'll realize that God is not bound in time. So where time is linear, it goes from beginning 
to end. You have to walk this line. There's no option. You can only go forward. You cannot go backwards. But my God is so good that he stands outside of time. He can look over your past and see everything that you've done. But what he can also do is he can see every mistake you've made, everything you've done wrong, every bad thing you've ever done. But he's such a good God that he is not defined by what happened, what, what yesterday could bring. But he stands outside of time and can see a future that even though it doesn't make sense, that God can step in and with just a touch can turn us into the place that he needs us to go. And today he may be trying to reach out to touch you. Maybe your situation right now seems impossible. You're saying, how can God do it through me? Does he know what I've done? Does he know the mistakes I've made? And I stand before you today telling you, if he can do it through me, I know he can do it through you. Right now, I believe there are some people here that are saying, I'm having a hard time because I've been trying, I've been trying, I've been trying so hard. And nothing has changed. And one thing I've realized about this whole, about the gospel is this. The gospel is not about you trying harder. But it's about you trusting more. And the moment that I trust him with my life is the moment that things begin to change in my life. That all of a sudden, it's not about if I'm behaving correctly. No, it's about my alignment with the belief that I have that God, you are so good that I trust you with my finances. I trust you with my life. I trust you with my children. I trust you with my circumstance. I trust you with my situation. And now it's not me trying to fix everything. But no, God, I'm trusting you that you would take place in it. That you would use someone like me to do something, to do something different. And just like everyone in scripture who has had faith, who had a great faith, there was a challenge for each person. It wasn't that you just sat there and did any, nothing. No. When Moses was challenged to part the Red Sea, he still had to lift up his staff. When Peter was challenged to walk on water, he still had to step out of the boat. Today, I believe that God is challenging you to step out of your boat, to step out of your comfort zone, that you would come here and say, I'm going to answer the call for my life. I am not going to sit back and watch what happens. I don't want to be comfortable anymore, but God, I want to answer and respond to the calling that you have for my life, that you're not finished with me yet, you're not done with me, that you still want to do great things in me and through me, that you're going to use my family, you're going to use my faith. You're going to use me, God. And today, if that's you, with heads bowed, eyes closed, I just want you to lift your hand up high. Say, God, I'm answering the call. I'm answering the call. I'm not sitting back passively anymore. I don't want to just wait for a move of God. No, God, I want to be part of it. I want to be moving in it. I want to do something great through it. That God, if you can use anything, you can use me. 
And now, with your hand lifted, I want to challenge you to do one more step, and that's get beyond your comfort zone of your seat and begin to come to this altar. And the people are going to begin to pray with you and challenge you that you're not just sitting there anymore, but no, you're going to answer the call on your life. So right now, if that's you, I just want you to come to this altar, come to this altar, that God is challenging you, he's pushing you, he's been pursuing you, he's been relentlessly chasing after you, and today you are answering the call to say, I don't want to sit back anymore. But God, I want everything you have. Yes, Lord, thank you, Father. We believe that today, God that everything that we came in here thinking was a burden or thinking was a setback. God, today we just take victory over those things in our past, God, and say you're going to use them for our future. You can do it through anybody. You can do it through me, God. You can do it through every person in this room right here and right now, God. We believe that a chapter in our life is beginning to unfold, Father, where we don't look back and we don't have the discouragement of the enemy controlling our every step, but we stay focused on you, Jesus, and the destiny and the calling you have over our life, Father. Thank you for victory this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Please keep praying and worshiping if you're, if you're still doing that. We're going to have the worship band play for a while. Did you guys enjoy Pastor Joe this morning? Thank you, Pastor Joe and Aaron and their family for coming from California to speak to us this morning. Uh, it's always awesome. And um, uh, if you're visiting with us this morning, before you go, please fill out a connection card in the seat in front of you and drop it off at the Welcome Center. God bless you guys. We love you and have an awesome week.